Yo, what is happening? It's your boy Roy, and this is another episode of Sync Gems. Today, we have Mike Locke. Mike Locke is an amazing dude. He also happens to be the owner of Silverside Productions, which is a sync agency that is killing it. He started working for Warner and established his connections there and then went independent. And I just love how this dude faces times of decision-making and needing to take a, a direction. He really speaks my language when talking about following a feeling and a calling. And we also get into some of the nitty-gritty from an agency perspective. And we talk about where the world of music is going, in his opinion. And we kind of encapsulate a lot of things in this uh, little interview. He drops so many gems. Um, the more technical stuff is from the middle, but his story is just phenomenal. And I think that understanding the mindset of the people who really succeed is the most important thing you can do for yourself and how and has to be a part of the education in the space. Anyhow, if you dig this podcast, please go ahead, rate, review it on your mobile device. I am so grateful for people who have already done it. And if you're on Apple and you, and you review the podcast, I'm going to choose a few people who review the podcast and I'm going to give you a one-on-one -on -one session. So please leave your details below the review that you leave. Either screenshot and send it to me or I will see it and I will reach out to you via the hashtag that you left below. So... Without further ado, Mike Locke. How are you? How are you? Oh my God, it's such a blessing to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've, I've reached out to you because of your work and because of your agency and because of how um, you put yourself out there. As my uh, audience knows, I, I do quite a lot of research about people that I choose to work with. And in general, just like agencies and libraries, I love looking at at pages and seeing where people are at. And uh, your one, uh, your the way that your company Silverside is is presented really sparked a light for me, like a good one, like a good not a light bulb, but a, a great, just like it opened me kind of. Um, and I reached out to you because of that. Um, because of the way that you present yourself and and because of the way that you put yourself out there as an agency and correct me if I'm wrong but it's it's an agency that is sort of it's sort of boutique but you guys are working on so many different such a versatile um, such a uh, you have such a versatile range And yeah, so uh, that's me rumbling and uh, mumbling. But uh, Mike, tell me your story. Tell me about you. What brought you to this place? What brought you to music? What brought you to Silverside? How did this all start for you? Yeah, well, I appreciate hearing that um, it, some, when you ran across me slash Silverside Productions, it struck you, you know, in a positive way. Um, 
loved hearing that. So I, I started in music at Warner Music Group, but, you know, and started Silverside Productions in 2011. And prior to that, I was at Warner Music Group for 10 years. So now I've had Silverside Productions running for 12 years this this summer. And I've also been at Atlas Music Publishing, which folded ultimately folded under Big Machine um, and was at InGrooves spearheading their creative sync licensing and as they were launching a publishing division at the time. Uh, prior to Warner, um, I was always doing stuff in, in music. So you could go way back then, you know, I, I never really thought I myself would go into the music business side of things, so to speak. But going back into, you know, the growing up years, I was playing guitar, but I was the guy kind of organizing and, and um, booking the tour when, when we had a band together and, and, and facilitating working uh, with the right partner for releasing a couple seven inches. Then I went to college uh, at UCLA and found myself sucked back into music um, during college and um, kind of found my way into the department that books shows to come to campus. And I did a study abroad in Spain. And there I did a radio show speaking in Spanish, <laughs> playing kind of American wow. indie, indie rock with a, with, a, with a Spanish person. We co-hosted a radio show. I uh, had a blast doing that after uh, returning to the States and finishing up at UCLA. Um, throughout that last kind of year, I was doing internships and um, nonetheless, you know, almost pursued a law school path. But all through that time was doing stuff, you know, in music, whether it was the playing side and getting sucked back into playing music again. Um, the, the business side of that, it tended to lean heavy for me on the business side of it. Um, and ultimately it was through going to some shows actually of all things and running across a former college friend who told me about a job position at Warner when I was then finally coming around to the fact of the nature of, you know, maybe I should just work in this space <laughs> and, and, and find uh, a lane in the music industry, so to speak. Um, I've always been very independently minded and from a sort of DIY do-it-yourself ethos. Um, but nonetheless, I, and that ultimately kind of could, could, could dovetail back around to the, to the formation of Silverside and carrying some of those philosophies with me. Um, but my first full-time job was at Warner Music Group and eventually found my way into the sync department there. Mm. Wow. There's so many, there's so many things. I want to touch one thing for now. And it's, um, I love, I love the hero's journey. Like that's something I'm, I'm in absolutely in love with. It's, uh, again, people who listen know it. I'm, I love the fact that there's with a lot of the guests that I have here, there's a call to, to adventure, right? Like there's, there's a call to adventure that keeps coming back. Like, and it happened to me. There was one time where I was like, I almost gave up music and I, I, I thought of going uh, to be a massage therapist because I'm pretty good at giving massages. That's, that was basically the base of my decision. Um, but um, my, my mother, which never sits me down to these kinds of conversations, she, she always was always a fan of my, what I do and she kind of let me do my thing. She sat me down and she was like, the, sorry for the, 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 my French, but what the fuck are you doing? Like, she, she sat me down and she's like, 
Are you are you kidding me? Did you give uh, uh, do you know how uh do you know how um people would kill to be in your position to to be uh so passionate about what you, what what they're doing and you're just like throwing it away to be a massage therapist and it was like this 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 conversation that I knew inside um but this was the the time where the call to action was so strong that I had to decide that I'm going for this this journey of music yeah um and i I feel like you have a similar a similar thing where where you know the thing the the maybe not the music but the the organizational side and the business side kept coming back to you and in the end you're like okay you know like Warner music not everybody gets an offer to work in Warner music and that's for fact yeah um and and, and so I'm interested to hear about your thoughts about this this kind of concept of of things coming back to you and you having to rise up to that challenge yeah um you know it's like you kind of observed it's great you had your mom sit you down and kind of ask you know what you're doing it sounds like she observed that you were forcing yourself um trying to go down one path but your natural kind of leanings was showing another path and ultimately you were able to embrace that um and I guess you observed some similar aspects with kind of how I landed into music and then ultimately, you know, then creating Silverside 10 years after starting it at Warner Music Group. Um, but I was, I was, I think, um, I guess you could say forcing, but, but um, forcing myself initially down another path, whereas to everyone else around, I think it was pretty obvious or it was no surprise later when, you know, say going back, uh, and seeing some former high school friends or something, if I hadn't seen someone's like, oh, I, I, I'm working in the music, you know, space now. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but I, mm. I uh, uh, applied for the LSAT, uh, and then I uh, thought I was going to do law school, and I went to one semester of law school, and was kind of uh, suffering too strong of a word. But I had some great friends and connections I made during that half a year of law school, but it wasn't sitting right in my gut, and. And uh, one of the toughest decisions, even now, I sometimes think of was was deciding to stop doing, you know, um, something. And I did find first semester and thought, okay, I can do this. But the moment I went back after first semester, kind of going down uh, the loss law side of things, and I thought I might incorporate um, into the entertainment side of law or music side of law, um, but that specific lane was not the right lane for me. And I initially was, was really trying to force myself into, into that lane. And once I was able to kind of really make the decision to uh, recognize that that wasn't the right path. And let me kind of like go back and start into uh, a field that has some creative opportunities that I want to incorporate and not just be on the legal side. Then it was a freeing, <laughs> you know, feeling when I made that decision and kind of, kind of plotted along, you know, and learning the ropes and um, gaining a lot of experience within those years at Warner, which then helped me, you know, kind of build into, um, you know, eventually launching my own business. But, you know, that, that was, you know, some things that come to mind, if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, so did it, did it come like, did it, 
did the Warner offer make you do the 180 from law school or was it uh, what what yeah, was I that? Yeah, nothing when I quit law school. It was just, you know, a recognition finally at that time uh that this isn't sitting right with me. Um mm. I don't I I think I don't want to continue this. And then finally acting on that uh very promptly after sort of returning after one semester of it and and then deciding I think I'm just going to pursue something in the music, you know, licensing space, actually, um, if I can, if I can go in that direction. Um, and yeah, so I quit law school and moved back to home, which is only about an hour and a half north of Los Angeles in Goleta or Santa Barbara area and met up with friends in LA. And it was through going to a show and reconnecting with a, a friend. That then I heard about, you know, uh, a job, offering at Warner, which led to um, them liking me and then coming back for actually a different job that opened later on. And going back to that time, I remember I had also a job offer in the agency space, not sync agency at all, but the um, booking agency world. Um, Cause I did that at UCLA um, booking bands to come to, to perform for the student body effectively. Um, and that was a higher paying job, <laughs> but I turned mm-hmm. that down because I was at simultaneously funny enough, getting the, the Warner job, which was in licensing. And I, at that time, um, it's going way back. Um, I thought, you know, licensing is, is interesting to me and I kind of wanted to explore that area more. I love it, man. I, I'm, I, I know that it, we're, we're, we're not going the conservative route of conversation because I, I, I really, I really want to know um, what you're about more than more than uh, uh, with me. That's that's how uh, I conduct business with people. Is I want to know who who my people are. You know what I mean. So I'm, I, that's that's why I'm I'm so fascinated and interesting by by the way you speak about things. And and something that comes out to me is like, how do you? tune into that intuition of yours. Like you have, you, you've, you've um, presented a few intersections that you've had, like one with the, uh, uh, one with law school um, and then uh, one with the uh, booking agency. And, and I, I see, I see kind of a common theme of you having to dig, dig inside to understand what is the right um, space and path for you. How do you feel like one can start activating that that discernment and that uh, um, that conscious uh, process within themselves? Because and and how does it serve you now in Silverside? It's a great question. Um, I think it's about just. Um, trying your best to kind of discern what is going to bring you joy joy, and what lane, you know, what path is exciting to you. In some ways, it's almost as simple as that. (laughs) Um, Thinking back to to those times um, and, and those crossroads that you referenced, a little bit of my thought process was what do I, what can I see myself continuing to want to be doing 10 years from now? Um, and what's funny is I remember thinking that at, 
at the second crossroads that you noted, which was the, and this was a small thing in the, you know, the, the career path in some respects, but simply in not going down the, the route of the agency, the booking agency, but instead going into Warner Music Group and licensing. I remember thinking that, you know, the booking, booking agency route um, involves going to a ton of shows. And I was going to a ton of shows then. And I remember thinking, would I still be wanting that to be a main part of my job, you know, say 10 years later? Funny thing is, 10 years passed and I still was going to a ton of shows. <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't regret the decision. Uh, and now, however, I am not going to a ton of shows. And so if the booking agency world was my world, um, you know, there would still be a lot of shows that would be necessary to go to. At a certain point, though, you start getting your underlings <laughs> to go to the shows yeah. for you and report back if you're booking emerging bands, for example, or you just go to the big shows that you're booking. Um, but it, it, yeah, that didn't, I guess, speak to me as much as the desire of wanting to understand the ins and outs of, of a different lane. And so I was happy to have that opportunity and then go down that path and eventually keep an eye out of how to get into the sync space specifically because I started in more audio licensing, did some sample clearance, interestingly kind of got in the business affairs uh, world for a little bit, which reminded me of why I didn't fully pursue the law school route, but it was a good experience um, within Warner Music Group and researching a lot of their contracts um, for what they had certain rights to, et cetera. Uh, and then ultimately landing in commercial sync licensing and advertising. And then from there, constantly throughout all of this, um, what I've always been really passionate about is independent music. It can be, that's not the right word for it necessarily. Uh, at the time, it was more um, emerging music, if you will. So it could be um, majorly label signed material. But following artists, I was really into and and not necessarily the big radio pop world. Um, but yet here I was at Warner, which is also a great experience, experience licensing major iconic recordings. Um, but being really passionate about that um, enabled me some, some opportunities to kind of carve out my own path within Warner, which then that ultimately kind of springboarded into um, starting Silverside. Yeah. So I have so many questions from that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, I don't know where to start even. But um, something that that uh, that came up as you were speaking, one of the things was having having special places. So I I live in Bali, and Bali is basically to whoever doesn't know, it's an island that looks like heaven, basically in a lot of places. Um, beautiful beaches, white sand, black sand, whatever you want. Um, and I find it, since I've been here for three years, I find it that it, I, I, I find this weird paradox, which if I don't define what uh, freedom and joy is for me, I'm just going to live in this kind of messy uh, island life vibe and not appreciate little places that give me joy. So I, I'll, I'm, the, way, the, the way that I'm thinking about it, I'm getting back to what you were speaking about, um, about coming back to listening to music. For you, so I'm coming back to the Bali analogy. 
for me, there are a few places. There's a place in the south of Bali called Uluwatu, which is a very special place in my heart. And it's it because I was I was there first when there was when it was a pandemic, there was no one there. So like the beaches were quiet and it's just a magical feeling out there. Um, and there's another place, a few places like that around Bali that I go there when I need to lower my frequency, when I need that special time with myself and when I need to rejuvenate. And I feel like that's kind of what shows were for you perhaps. And, uh, and you didn't want to make it that daily grind. You didn't want to associate it with your daily grind. So maybe that was the reason that you didn't take it at the time. Uh, maybe not knowing. I don't know. But I feel like having that special place can really affect decision making. It can help, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, um, to, to, to categorize places. And, and it's always in the human brain. I feel like it's always great to have a little bit of grouping so that we are more organized. We know where we go to calm down. We know it's like, it's like training a dog. You put a dog in a crate so they calm down in the crate. Um, it's, it's kind of that thing with humans. And I feel like you had this association with, with, uh, with, your, with your shows, which your, was your place of joy and kind of this place that you took energy from as opposed to worked in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a community and, you know, like-minded people and, you know, a place to, to enjoy being with people, all that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And another, uh, another thing um, that, that I loved was you were speaking to what can I, what can I see myself continuing doing, which I, I love. It sounds like childish almost when you, like, I can hear a child say it, Um Mom, what can I hear myself continue, like continuing yeah. doing? You know, it's like a, it's it's a beautiful. I don't know. It's it's just uh, it it gives me joy to 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 listen to that sentence for some reason, and I think I will use it for myself and oh. with my friends. And and actually, I I I love that. I I love that we sometimes can really put things in boxes, but it's actually good for us. Um, so now you know that you are, uh, your music licensing is, is what you do for work. You love it. It's your work. Um, yeah. and you, and you have the, and you have the other sides of things that you do for joy. So how, how'd you come from working in Warner to starting your own agency? Cause that's an interesting story. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't, uh, intentional necessarily but the chips sort of started falling in such a way where that was the natural uh, organic next step um i was in the sync licensing department and for a, a while doing commercial licensing and loved that experience like i noted um being able to to license frank sinatra recording for a commercial and negotiating that deal um to you know, ZZ Top, <laughs> to uh, legacy um, catalog recordings, and then being involved in the the quoting and licensing of the current the current frontline releases from Warner, whether it was Warner Records, now it's Warner Records, Warner Brothers, uh, as it was referred to then, uh, to Atlantic and the various divisions was was great experience, and and uh, the various colleagues was a kind of family over there, 
um, and a lot of fun. And I was able to have the ear of the head of the sync department at, at uh, WMG Sync Licensing, if you will, and it kind of merged within Rhino at that time. And and uh, he paved uh, an open. He gave me an open door, if you will, to uh, take a little bit of a gamble, but it was no no you know um, no big risk for them. And it was simply bringing in some independent uh labels um to the sync department um and i did that and the first one of the first labels i brought in was dimmock records and steve aoki founded the label and i knew him from kind of the music scene in santa barbara and los angeles and kind of pitched the department on representing that label for sync licensing so we did that. Lock Party wasn't a band uh, I focused on just before they then signed to a division of Atlantic, effectively, within Warner Music Group anyway. Um, but when that process started, it opened up some eyeballs on what I was doing. And it was a great uh, then um, lane I had to create my own job within Warner's sync licensing department. And so that's what I did wrote a job description and just did more of that. So there was a sort of natural feed in of content that was available to be tapped within the distribution independent, not totally independent, but the Warner owned um, partially owned distribution arm ADA. And so I tapped some of those labels that didn't necessarily have in-house sync licensing people, or perhaps weren't already with a sync licensing company representing their music. Uh, and for those that made sense, we, we were bringing those uh, labels into um, into the department for representation for sync licensing. And then I was bringing some independent artists I had connections to or really enjoyed into the company for sync licensing as well and kind of grew this area within, within, uh, within Warner. And the ADA distributed labels that I referenced uh, ultimately um, branched off and and kind of was its own position when I hired a person for that and kind of was growing this whole, this whole section until um, I kind of wanted to do a little bit more that wasn't necessarily um, work that, that would make sense um, being done within, within Warner. So I, I initially tried to kind of branch out and do some more things within Warner, but ultimately um, it started to make sense to go off on my own. And I was well liked there and I was liking uh, my boss, especially and my coworkers. Um, but something else was calling, I guess. And I, I'm grateful to the people around me that uh, sort of believed that I could do something before I believed I could go off on my own. So I had one very small label that had no you know, really connection to, to Warner. I knew him even before I started working at Warner, um, but I had been championing some of his releases and he, he flat out said, you know, I know they love you at Warner music, but if you, if, and you, I think you should, but if you ever start your own thing, you know, uh, I'll invest, you know, into what you're doing. I'll, I'll continue to kind of work with you. And so, you know, that, that's something that was a, a great impetus for me to start um, Silverside Productions. And ultimately, I then took the step away and just, you know, put in notice and 
had a moment where there was some back and forth, you know, could it make sense to stay as they, they wanted. And I felt grateful that they wanted me to stay there. Um, but it was one of the best decisions I made <laughs> to, to say thanks, but no thanks. And to, to, to quit that position to start my own thing, which I let know I was going to be doing. And I did. Uh, and ultimately that work I was doing within Warner without setting out by any sort of design to have it be, you know, a bit of the kindling, if you will, and the firewood to then start Silverside. That's what it ended up being in some respects, or it was, uh, you know, kind of, um, some natural, you know, kind of springboard type of work that I was doing there to then just know how to sidestep in some respects, set up, set up an independent company, started out being very sync licensing representation focused. Uh, although very early on, I did start a publishing admin side of it and a label side or a digital label side as well. Um, and those were two, two areas I wanted to do. Um, I, I wanted to get into, for example, that wasn't part of my Warner job. Um, so now that I branched off and, and started my own thing, I was able to um, explore other lanes of work, if you will. So in the early days of t- 2011, 2012, um, I did start digital label side and a publishing services side with the focus being sync licensing as the thread or the core aspect of the business. Mm. Another call to action. Another there was another intersection there. I don't know if you've noticed it, but there was another yeah, yeah. one. Yeah, it's coming uh, back. Um, yeah, ah, man, I love it so much. It's it's. Um, I just love hearing stories about people uh, whose intuition drives them forward. You know, like starting starting a job within a corporation to having uh, the clients wanting to work with you to, to being able to actually listen to that, to, to that saying, I don't have to, uh, I, I don't have any, anything more to prove and I want to expand and just going for it, you know, which is, again, to some people, this is a mental, it's like, it's like people who, who quit their corporate job. It's, it's a lot of the times it's like, are you mental? Like you have all the 401k, you have all the security, you have everything you, you need, um, to live a nice uh, American life per se, right? Like you, you can, you can buy the, the, the car and the, the house, the, the, the nice suburban house in a few years and you'll be, you'll be great to go. But then you just take that leap again. And, and again, it's a common theme. So I, 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 I love hearing this, this hero's journey. And um, so I, I, I want to ask you, was there a moment in Silverside where you were like, oh shit, I'm doing this? Like, was there a moment where when, 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 when you, it actually dawned on you that you are succeeding by yourself now? Hmm. <laughs> I really like, I, I like that question. Um, in some ways, I feel like I, and it's been going well for the last handful of years. Um, and I'm, I'm, time permitting, you know, we'll get into the, the, my business partner, you know, uh, relationship. Um, but he's brought so much great value and we've got a great working relationship. Um, and, and I have him to thank for a lot of the creative talent that we work with and, and the way we work together has helped propel continually, um, in some sort of, you know, 
inching forward way year after year, you know, good successes um, that, um, you know, keep the business running and then some and, 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 and it's, it's great. Um, but to that question, I really like that question because I feel like in some respects, <laughs> there's been moments of, yep, this is happening. Wow. Uh, but yet even now, despite, you know, the kind of, and now's an interesting time with the strikes, um, which um, there's a visible slowdown in the TV film space for American productions. Um, but that aside, the business is, is rolling. <laughs> it's got momentum. And that doesn't, it, it's not, that's not going to just immediately halt. And I'm blessed and thrilled with that. That being said, I still feel like even now I'm kind of tr- seeking that <laughs> feeling of, okay, this is like, I'm good, but you know, I can sit back, <laughs> but I, maybe I, I don't operate that way. There never has quite reached a level of like, I can just totally sit back where, you know, it's rolling. This is on and it's good. Let's just sit back and enjoy, you know, the ride, you know, it's still, still something I'm constantly, you know, attentive to, if you will. However, now uh, it is so nice to know that systems are in place, that um, some colleagues are in place that enable it to just roll, if you will. (laughs) Uh, And that, how did you say it? Like, shit, this is, it's rolling. Um, And I'm able to step away for a moment because the systems are in place and I can take a breather and know it's good, you know, and we're going to keep cranking away. But I'm also able to, you know, uh, go on vacation for, for a little bit and just check in and make sure some other people can tend to thing. And that's been great to reach that space as well. In contrast to when I had first started it, the, the concept of thought of like a true vacation was, was, uh, was, uh, you know, tough. <laughs> so that's one, that's one nice change, which yeah. is, um, measurable to a certain extent. Yeah. I mean, the first 10 years of me doing music was, it sounds exactly like what you were speaking to. So I can highly, yeah. highly resonate with what you're saying. And, uh, and yes, I, I feel like so I've I've watched this um, documentary about golf in Netflix on Netflix. It's a cool it's a cool documentary. Um, what is it called? Who? Um, I, I can have. Sing me later. I don't remember. Right now. I don't remember exactly. I, I'm not a golf fan, but I also did the same thing with like Formula One. There, there's the show about for, Formula One and in, in, uh, on Netflix, which is just done so well. And I I feel like all the documentaries are trying to imitate the way that that's built. Um, I mean, yeah. Netflix has a sauce like that. They they're kind of they repeat. Um, Is it uh, full swing? Full swing, yeah, 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 yes, sir. Yeah, so getting into different players. And- yeah, it's just kind of uh, more into the more into the. It doesn't really talk about the game as much as it talks about the lives of the people, which I love. Yeah. I, I love hearing about the lives. You know, like there's also this. Uh, um, recent Conor McGregor uh, documentary, which just it doesn't necessarily show you the fighting as much as it shows the 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 life behind and to get back to your point the even the wealthiest players like players who have left the mark already playing uh, there's this one player which is relatively old he's 40 something uh english dude and he's um 
he's wearing all these funky outfits and and oh, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. he's um, it, um, he gets an offer from this new Saudi uh, Saudi league that comes up okay. uh, mm-hmm. to compete the 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 main league. And he just speaks to, I have to survive. And you see the dude has mansions. He flies in private jets. He's just like in this ridiculous financial state. And he's still like, I got to feed the family. You know, like speaking like somebody who's who's surviving. And mm-hmm. what I want to speak to is that I feel like this survival always exists because standard of life changes as time goes, you know, like this, the, the, the standards change, the minimum changes, the equilibrium changes. And can that dude live, uh, uh, probably with his money, with the the current money he has, can he live a simple life in, 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 uh, um, in, in the suburbs of England or whatever with the money he has now, damn, damn right. He can, but does he choose to keep doing it and living his current life, yes, as well. So it's a it's a decision, and there's no mm-hmm. way there is no one way of skinning this cat. Like to one person, six figures, six figure a year, six figure a year is not enough to, because they're living in LA and they got a family to feed. But for another person who lives in Bali, six figures is oh my god, I'm gonna invest in Bitcoin now. You know, like it's it's like it's it's it, I got that Bitcoin money now. So it's it's just like it's is making this conscious decision. I love how you speak to it. Um, and and it really lights lights a fire fire within me when you when you talk about it because it's it's definitely a conscious decision, and there's no point where where people just go okay now I can do nothing for the rest of my life like a person who yeah. who who is actually into what they do they just I feel like they don't think that way, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Part of our goal, I think, um, is to enjoy what we're doing, being able to be very attentive to everyone that we work with and grow the business. But, but strategically, um, and in a way that makes, you know, uh, sense that, hmm, I guess in a way that just kind of feels like it's part of the, the path, you know, and not forcing anything. And if the business is not growing, but, but doing good with what we're working, um, and that's at our capacities, then that kind of feels okay, you know, with us too. I mean, it's nice that we are not, you know, beholden to a parent company saying you need to grow by X percent, uh, though it's been very good that I've had those experiences and been in those rooms and those conversations about certain targets and goals. And we have targets and goals, um, but it's not, you know this forced thing where then you're stretching and doing things that aren't you in some respects, you know, we want to be true <laughs> to ourselves and, and continue to grow the business, but in a, in a, in an authentic, you know, way at the right le- comfort levels. I think. Mm. What is, what is, um, the business side of sync that you've learned that you feel like composers need to know more about? Yeah, d- define how you're thinking of composers, producer, um, composer, the people who songwriter. You, yeah, songwriters, comp- uh, people who, uh, uh, producers, people who 
make the music happen. What would you like them? What What would you want people who are doing music for Sync to know about the insides of Sync, the inner workings? Sure. Well, I guess there's you know a couple of different sides to that. I mean, there's um, from the composer, producer, you know, side people kind of making music, aiming or wanting to make it available, you know, for sync to, to value their own work <laughs> and to know that there's different types of deals within companies. Um, so then switching uh, gears and kind of wearing the hat, you know, from we are, from where we are, of course, there's very good um, scenarios for composers that can rest in, in, in a music publishing company, a straight, you know, solely music publishing company or label um, or what is generally referred to as library, which I know you, you talked a lot about and, and a lot of the composers, um, in the sync space have their music with different libraries and those types of deals are different than our general type of deal. So our general type of deal is, and, and, and I look forward to listening to more of your interviews and podcasts and I'm, I'm sure you've gotten into various kind of the sync agency side of things. So we have kind of like a, you know, several different prongs of deals that that we tend to get into but when it's involving a sort of artist composer that's written their own music and and for the most part kind of independent you know from us or independent from us getting into a label or publishing type of arrangement with an advance put forward um but just music that is being sent to us for review consideration and we're looking at representing it uh then we're taking a commission and that that writer composer would own you know their work and we're representing that music um does that get to a couple of the points of your of your question yeah yeah and it brings another one it's actually it brings like what is what is the difference between somebody doing like a co-pub with you which is to to who doesn't know like a 50 50 on the publishers um to somebody who you don't own the publisher uh, publishing to, do you have more of an incentive to pitch uh, uh, people who you have co-pub with? How does that work from your angle? That's a great question. Um, for us, we pitch what is going to work for the clients. Um, and each deal is a bit unique. So we have producers, artists that we love where maybe there are, have been some deals where we have entered into a co-pub deal. We've advanced money. We've been very creatively involved in quote the a and of the music, for example, or providing notes, feedback and direction. And I love it when we get into those types of deals. Um, and then we have other deals where we're just sync uh, representation. Uh, and in some cases we've got composers, producers, artists, with both types of deals where maybe we kind of got into a co-pub production, you know, label deal for a batch of content, but then there's other music that they're still sending our way. It's a little, you know, separate and under just like a sync rep deal. Then when we're going to the clients, on one hand, the brass tacks of it is that if, if we've landed something where we have, where we've been more heavily invested, that's great. Everyone's happy though. We're getting that, you know, placement for the producer artist, uh, and then we're happy. And it was one that we had more heavily invested in recouping. Uh, maybe it's been recouped. Um, 
but the, the split is more favorable to us. But to specifically answer your question, we're not favoring that material. Um, we are looking at the briefs and trying to fine tune what the right song is to place with, with the, um, with the client. And if, and if it happened to be one where it was, uh, not one where we were in a co-pub deal with, uh, which is, you know, very regular, uh, occurrence. And it's also, however, you know, fairly common that we are licensing songs that we did advance deals with and we were invested in, um, both happen, but we're not more heavily invested in one than the other. So even if we're not actually, you know, earning as much ultimately and paying the lion's share, if you will, or a higher percentage through to the artist for uh, a sync representation type of deal only, um, we're still happy. <laughs> and yeah. we're looking and, and paying just as much attention to that if that's the type of song or that is, you know, the right content that works for the client. I got you. So it's yeah, just different types it. of uh, of outlook. Because as you were speaking, I, I it just dawned on me that I I just love to conduct. I just love when, uh, and that's an individual thing for me. But I really love working on things with people. I love hearing feedback. I love um, hearing notes and 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 talking and brainstorming. I just love these things and. I think that as just for for a person like me, I love doing the co-pub thing because because then and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there is, of course, in the pitching there's no no favorable side, but in the emotional investment there is something that's a bit extra there that's a bit uh, um, more there that is more memorable so if me and you work on something for four months like an album that you think is a masterpiece I think is a masterpiece in my opinion subconsciously you'd probably uh, uh, vouch for that a little bit more um, as opposed to an album that you just heard a few times you liked it and and it's kind of in the back of of your mind so that's where it is in in my head and I I I'm really happy that you did this. Uh, you just explained this so beautifully, and I'm sure that a lot of people are going to have this click in their in their head right now because it did in my head. So cool. I kind of Great. yeah, and and this is this is what I want for this podcast. I want uh, I want people to get this information and have things sit in their head and understand that there's no one way to do things. And I'm I'm I'm. I'm preaching this a lot because a lot of people, again, they they approach uh, they approach the sync world, thinking that there's one way to to eat this pie, and it's through either like royalties or or ad agencies or like you know there's there's a very structured thing in people's heads about how this thing needs to go, and there is no one way if you really want to succeed and there there has to be there has to be diversifying just like you're diversifying now filming at filming tv is going down a little bit so maybe you'll do a little bit more micro licensing or like maybe you'll do a little bit more of of you'll work a little bit more on indie films or i don't know you know like that that that's something that has to happen in such a space that is small and that is so dynamic, and and to be able to to um, to live through renaissances like this, through uh, times that 
resemble Napster in a way. Like there's a big, big, big thing that is happening right now in the music industry. And whoever's not going to be in tune to it and not going to adjust properly to it is just going to be left behind. That is for yeah. sure. Um, so I'm so happy that you you gave you gave clarity about this. Is there something you feel that composers don't know enough about in the in the sync space? Hmm. Um. I guess if I'm, I can't think of anything as far as something that I mean. Well, actually, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll think of, because we get hit up with just, uh, will you consider my music? Um, and I guess if, if, a, if a composer doesn't really got to have it organized, you know, you got to have it organized and you got to have the music ready to be um, accessible in a way that's convenient and that might happen at a later time. I mean, that's a simple thing, but... Um, a length that doesn't expire because I just got that the other day and I actually was then later going around to listen to it and the length was expired, <laughs> uh, you know, and it was maybe, you know, a length that you kind of like download and I didn't, uh, you know, I think at the first it expired and then, then later it was all there and download, but, you know, it wasn't necessarily an option to then go stream through and that would have been nice. Um, you know, those are a couple things. I guess just have your music organized, and if you're going to be putting it forward to uh, licensing focused companies or you know music houses, if you will, representing composers, make it as easy as possible for that that uh, individual you're hitting up to check it out. That would just be the key thing, you know. And if if there's too much going on there that doesn't make it easy, then then that would be something that turns it off a bit. Yeah, um, something that. As a side note, I feel like having having your uh, as a composer, I feel like having your compo- having your email in that having your sorry your um, portfolio or like a good landing page within that email is to me a must, and it doesn't have to be put in in into the person's face. It can be oh by the way, here's my portfolio if you want to check it out, or you know if if the portfolio is one you, what you want to show make clear what you want to put in the front. And then if there's something that is a PS or that is something that is, uh, um, um, let's say in the back burner or something that a side project that you're working on, either save it for a different, uh, uh, a different email or make it really clear that this is, uh, the part two of your message. And, and, and it's not, uh, it's not something that, uh, um, it's not necessarily what they, it, it's, it's just another section of the email, but you don't have to actually uh, push it forward. So let's say me and Mike talk and Mike is like, oh, I need some cinematic hip hop. So I'm like, oh, bet. Here's a Dropbox link, a Dropbox, Dropbox link with, with music that is streamable. And then, oh, and by the way, if you want to listen uh, to, to all of the stuff that I've been doing, here's my portfolio kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having, uh, as you said, very organized um, is is great. It's it's again, you put things. I, I love Mike how you speak because you put things in a different way to what other guests have talked about. It's similar concepts, but it's completely. It's like a a completely different light. You're shedding a completely different light, and 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 I really 
I appreciate that. Um, before we before we finish here, what what is what are you excited about in the music industry right now? And where do you feel? Where do you feel like the 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 this industry is going, especially sync? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I feel so fortunate right now that I'm excited about so much of what we Silverside are working on right now. Um, we released a single today. You know, uh, we're getting more active on our label side again with our common thread being sync focused um, to what we're working. Um, but when it kind of is a very artist on its own, uh, you know, approach anyway, you know, that's the best. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm excited about um, great quality of stuff that we're working, not just current frontline music, um, but something we didn't get into and something that I, I, um, I guess I've taken from my days of working, you know, catalogs at Warner and then also um, the publishing company I was at, but Silverside's done a couple deals um, with some companies recently that give us some very deep catalog. In one case, it's iconic uh, uh, master recordings from recognizable artists. Um, So it can be big uh, price tag songs that have, that are under, you know, big, publishing companies, but we're representing in some cases re-records um, by the original artists um, and it's great quality stuff by big name artists. So we're thrilled about that. Um, and additionally, there's an interesting um, uh, landscape right now in music. So to start circling around more specifically to your question of so many companies that are, you know, asset management type companies. <laughs> uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how that's handled with rights being so divvied up. And, um, you know, the hypnosis and then the other companies that are acquiring, you know, assets and then who, who's working those, those, those recordings that are maybe still administered by, by a major label, but in time might change to another administrator um, and is ultimately owned by a new company that's come into place. Um, so a new recent deal that we did is with a sort of rights hold rights holding company. And so that's one area that the landscape is changing. Um, and we're excited though, to have some shares of big uh, recordings and, and some recognizable songs through that company as well, while still focusing and this will never change on our current frontline stuff that we're very proactively working and in touch on a regular basis uh, with composers and talented producers and, and artists on its own. Right. And you know, there is so much talk and chatter, you know, so where to go with your question. There's, you know, there's this streaming, which has been a boom to the major labels and various independent labels. Uh, hit and miss on the reaction, you know, when it gets down to the individual artists <laughs> and the small amounts of streams and does it add up enough. Um, and then when you're somewhere in the middle, um, you know, it just affects people so differently. And then will they change the pricing model with streaming? So that's, you know, one aspect, but getting back to like, and then there's AI, which could be a part of your question. And how is that going to affect sync? What areas of sync might AI start affecting uh, first and and more than, than other areas? There's the obvious, you know, incorporation, which is already happening, which is, you know, great potentially. Um, And well, using it maybe in the artwork of releases, uh, or working with it and in, in tools as another tool, you know, in your tool belt, 
uh, to incorporate into the songwriting you know, process. So there's that side of things. And then there's the side of like, then when, you know, music becomes more heavily used in the AI, you know, space, will that start, you know, replacing certain music that we have? <laughs> uh, and, you know, you know, it's and where, what area might that start happening first? Um, so I don't think I can speak to that too much other than, you know, we're going to be doing our best to, you know, um, be working with people and attentive uh, and seeing how we can you know, incorporate it in, in strategic, smart ways with what we do um, and just helping our business. Um, but yeah, you know, I, yeah, I'm just kind of thinking about just so much, you know, ways and in, in, in how the landscape is changing right now. But what, what did you have in mind when you asked me the question, you know, anything specifically? Uh, and that was just a long roundabout of, that was a ton of stuff happening right now in music. And by and large, it's exciting. Uh, does it contain an element of, you know, um, that, that's scary about it? Depends kind of if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty person <laughs> to a certain extent, because a lot of people are, yeah, pretty scared. Oh, shit. Is this going to take, you know, X job away, Y job away, Z job away, my, you know, aspects of my job away? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not uh, I'm not running for the hills and throwing in the towel. That's for sure. I'm more excited than than not to see how this is, how, how the landscape is going to continue to change. Yeah. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I, I think that my optimism is sometimes a bit delusional. Like it's, it's, uh, and and that being said, that is why uh, I am where I'm at. Like that's why I'm doing music full time because my almost delusional um, drive has uh, brought me to a place where I can, I can work. I, I've, I've, I've been through such crazy lows in my on my journey that i put everything in perspective and right now if i lose my job or whatnot if no agency start uh, suddenly wants to work with me uh which i don't see happening because i'm i'm so diversified um it is still in my uh in my head that i can make it somehow and to me, yeah. the the biggest thing right now that comes in into mind from a, the AI uh, angle, and 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 this kind of of world that is very scary, you know what what like I hear the Drake covers and all that, that like that Beatles these Beatles unfinished songs and you know like scary stuff like that that could be very cool actually like. Uh, a song that is not finished that is now finished because of AI. It's kind of awesome. Um, and the way that I see it is people in the sync space are going to have to be less generic. And, mm -hmm. and as, what, to what you were speaking, like, uh, um, and to what a lot of guests are speaking, people who are only in it for the money are not going to be able to uh, to do it like that because there will have to be an artistic element. There will have to be a unique signature to to artists um, so people will know that it's them. Um, and people will, in my opinion, will look deeper inside in order to find these big sinks. But I, I, I believe from deep inside me that these big sinks will still exist. 
for the coming years uh, for sure. Um, so what yeah. you are saying completely speaks my language and I hear you and there's no, no other way to actually make it anyway yeah. in music <laughs> without being, yeah. without being super duper duper uh, forward thinking and, and almost delusional uh, to an extent. <laughs> So, yeah. man, I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for you and your time. And I want to be cognizant because we're on the one hour mark. Uh, I'm so grateful for all the gems and information that you've dropped because it's it's going to be one people will remember for sure. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, um, there's a general contact page on our website, Silverside Co. Com, I think is what it is. But if you search Silverside Productions, um, I think it's silversideco.com. And check us out on Instagram as well, Silverside Production on Instagram. Um, and you can, you can kind of reach out to me that way. Yeah, I will yeah. leave I'll leave that in the show notes. And people can can go ahead and, and, and uh, get, uh, get mesmerized. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, man, I'm I'm so grateful for you and your time. Thank you so much for coming on Sync Gems. Yeah, I feel we only just scratched the surface. There's you know so so much <laughs> that we could get into, but thank you for having me on. Hell yeah, and and that what you're saying invites invites a, a round two in the future. And I t- as I told you, I'll be in LA in in October, so maybe we can do it then. Sounds good, man. All righty, I appreciate I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yo, this episode was such a joy to record uh, with Mike and we will definitely have a round two where we go granular into sync agencies and labels because he did say after after the fact, after the recording, he was like, yeah, man, I wanted to go go more into uh, the the, um, the practicals and workshop the concepts within agencies. So we will do a round two. But if y'all dig this round one and, and want a round two, just let me know. So if, uh, if that's something y'all want, we'll make it happen a bit quicker. If you dig this podcast, please go on Spotify or Apple in your mobile device and rate the podcast. This really helps me uh, expand the show and get into new ears and also talk to new amazing guests. So just to remind you, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts saying how this podcast has helped you and you leave your hashtag in the lower part of it, I will reach out to you and potentially give you a one-on-one session with me where I can review your music, we can talk shop, we can talk sync, we can talk whatever. Also, share the love on socials, IG, LinkedIn. I put in gems that I think were super worthy of you checking out. And if you share them, if you comment, if you show your interaction, it just shows me that this matters to you and I really appreciate it. Anyhow, fam, I love y'all. Thank y'all for listening and see you in the next Sync Gems episode. Peace.